Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. I'm so happy that you're here today. I want to invite you to grab your Bibles and meet me in Mark chapter 6. Let's talk about the subject of when the Holy Spirit is moving, and let's also examine and consider those times when the Holy Spirit is not in manifestation with power and signs and wonders. What should we do in those situations? We'll take a look at both of them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, which gives us instruction concerning your Holy Spirit, the moving of your Spirit, in those times when he's not in manifestation, and what our approach should be during those times as well. Now, Father, we thank you. Let your Holy Spirit come during this session. Let him come bringing illumination and revelation insight into the way that we conduct and live our lives. Father, we give you praise. Thank you for the help of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I tell you, I am so thankful for the Holy Spirit because Jesus left the earth and he is in heaven right now, seated at the right hand of the heavenly father. But the Holy Spirit is here in the earth. He is in each and every believer. And under the Old Testament with the law, you had a very complex system of rules and regulations. And the more you study the temple, and the Old Testament tabernacle, temple system, uh, not only the, the, the ceremonies and the uh, multiple sacrifices every day that were carried out, you begin to realize that there was a lot of complexity involved in all of that. It had to be done a certain way. It had to be very precise, or you could lose your life, uh, particularly as a high priest. So, my friends, as we are in the New Covenant, things are so much simpler why? Because it's more than just a set of rules and regulations. It's more than just having, uh, you know, a guidebook. You actually, you now have God living with you 24-7 on the inside of you. So even if there's something that you don't know in the book, <laughs> even if there's a regulation you haven't been informed of, and there were a lot under the Old Testament system, uh, today, the Holy Spirit will help you. He helps you with all the nuances of life, the way that we speak, the tone of our voice, uh, love for others, and so forth, and on and on it goes. So uh, it, the Word has become alive, praise God. So in some ways, you can actually say the standard is higher because God is now with us all the time. So the Holy Spirit is the one who is the power. He is the miracle worker. And before Jesus entered into his ministry, the first 30 years of his life were very quiet. And while I understand there are certain traditions that Jesus, they say that he did certain miracles when he was a child or, you know, like turning uh, clay pigeons into real birds that flew away, all of that is just uh, stories that aren't true. Jesus did not do one miracle until he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. So it is very important 
that we understand the Holy Spirit as believers because, again, He's in us all the time. This is not like Old Testament, you know, you, uh, you listen to the priest teach uh, the, from the Torah, and you think, okay, I've got it. I'm doing good in that area, uh, and so, I, you know, I'm making progress. Well, this is more than just, you know, hearing, uh, you know, uh, the teaching from the Word. This is God living with you 24-7. And we want to know how to please the Holy Spirit and how to work with the Holy Spirit, particularly when he's moving and also when he's not in manifestation. Mark chapter 6, verse 1, then he went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? They noticed a change. And let me just tell you right now, the anointing makes a dramatic difference. I was at the funeral some years back of a great man of God. I knew him personally. He was highly anointed. Whenever he would teach or preach or minister the word, you could just sit there and listen to it and be blessed and eat it up. It was good stuff. And he, he was anointed. So he lived his life out and he passed on. At the funeral, one of his sons uh, stood up to say, you know, like some nice things about his father and to comment uh, very respectably about his father. And he he looked almost identical to his father, which is not surprising. That ha- happens often. You see the similarity, physical traits passed on from the parents to the children. And so he was just like, like, a, like an incredible physical image of his father. So his father, whenever he, the father spoke, there was a tremendous anointing. So the son who at this time was in his 50s, maybe early 60s, uh, the son stood up at the funeral, and he shared some things. And the moment he opened his mouth and began to speak, it's just, it was, it was unavoidable. You just, you just noticed he's not like his father. He doesn't have the anointing. And that's not being critical because this man was not a preacher like his father was. But he looked just like his father, but... He did not have the anointing of the Spirit as a prophet, as a minister of God. And when he talked, it was just a normal man talking. It it was a nice talk, but there was no anointing of the Holy Spirit upon it. So here Jesus is. He's now teaching in the synagogue, and they're just like, what in the world has happened to this guy? He's like somehow turned into Superman. (laughs) And we've heard all these reports. Like, what's happened to him? We knew this guy when he was growing up. What happened? It's the anointing, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's very important that we understand the Holy Spirit. And there are the gifts of the Spirit. And the gifts, basically, are when the Spirit of God is in manifestation. Or we could say it like this. When the Holy Spirit's moving. Woo! Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Well, they could recognize that there was something different about him. If you're ever around anybody who cannot recognize difference in people, then you need to get away from people that can't recognize difference. Um, You would actually be in the company of fools if you are around people that cannot recognize difference in others. One of the highest definitions of wisdom 
is the ability to recognize difference and not only to recognize it, but to act upon it. In other words, uh, everybody's different. You treat your spouse different than you treat other people. At least I hope you do. I hope you have enough wisdom to know that. Well, Pastor Stephen, I treat everybody the same. That's unbiblical. That's unbiblical. You don't treat your spouse just like another person. You don't treat your children just like you do all the other children that are out there in the world. And so there's also that ability to recognize an anointing, the power of God upon somebody's life, to identify uh, those that have it, and to to be able to respect that, and to be able to re, uh, connect with that anointing. Praise the Lord. And so they could see at least that there was something radically different about Jesus, uh, and that that thing that they were seeing was power. That was the anointing of the Spirit upon him. But they did not respect or appreciate the vessel that the glory had been poured into. Now, we know that Jesus was and is God, but they didn't, they certainly didn't believe that. And they could see that there was an anointing, but they did not receive that anointing because they were too familiar with who he was, previously knowing him as the local boy and so forth. And so there was a, um, there was a disconnect there. You never want to let anything cause a disconnect from a source of anointing, a source of God's spirit moving that could cause a great blessing in your life. Don't let anything cause a disconnect in that area. Verse three, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him and offense will just disconnect you from God's flow of power. And you know, all ministers have different personalities, different types, um, uh, you know, different ways of dressing, different ways of communicating and so forth. And it could be that the Holy Spirit is strong upon someone that maybe, maybe you don't like their hair, (laughs) you know, maybe you don't like their teeth (laughs) on and on it goes or their pronunciation of words or whatever it might be. But you should at least be able to say, to yourself. You know what? That is kind of an interesting hairstyle, but you know what? Their hair is what it is. They, you can't, you, look, you can only control so many things. A lot of these things are just the way you're born, right? <laughs> but even if you decide to dye your hair pink or blue or orange or whatever it might be, you know, you should still have that wisdom to notice, oh, there's an anointing there. Who praise God. But, you know, they completely cut off that flow of anointing by disrespecting the Lord. They were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. So he identifies himself as being a prophet, and he's there to bring a blessing. He's there to bring healing. He's there to bring the power of God that he's anointed with to the people. But in this case, they're not willing to receive him. And because he's the carrier of that anointing, they're also not willing to receive God's miracle power. Now, verse 5, it says, Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now, sick people 
is a different category from those that would be uh, in a different type of category, such as being blind uh, or permanently paralyzed or having some type of very severe condition. This is not one of those situations. It says here that he could only lay his hands on a few sick people and healed them. So maybe there was somebody that had, you know, like a migraine headache. They they could get healed. Maybe there was somebody that had a little, you know, um, uh, little pain in their elbow. They got healed. But it was a very, very small number of people that got healed. And there was nothing major as far as very strong healings that took place. And I want to talk about this today because I just, uh, even this week, I heard somebody say that in Jesus's meetings, he healed everybody. Isn't that interesting that somebody would say something like that? Well, in Jesus's meetings, he healed everybody. Well, uh, I'm sure that that is a sincere statement, but it actually is sincerely wrong. You see right here in his own country that he could not heal them. And it doesn't say he wouldn't. In other words, it's not like Jesus said, well, you know what? I, I, my feelings are really hurt. And Uncle Bob, I see you there in the crowd. And uh, uh, Aunt Susie, I see you there in the crowd. And because all of you have, you know, really been offended by me, I tell you what, I'm going to punish you and I'm not going to do any miracles here. I'm just going to do something small to tease you and aggravate you. <laughs> but that's not what the scripture says. It doesn't say that he decided not to do any great miracles there. It says he could do no mighty work there. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Now, let me say this. The moving of the Holy Spirit, the, the manifestation of the Spirit, it's not something that Jesus could push a button and suddenly, here comes the Holy Spirit. Jesus, what do you need? I'm ready to do it. You want a miracle? Here we go. I mean, the Holy Spirit is not like, you know, the Aladdin's lamp with the genie living on the inside. You know, you know, just rub the lamp and out comes the genie. <laughs> and here comes the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we need, so we need a, new, a new wish. <laughs> you, you can't force or make him manifest. If, if we could, well, uh, then we would, we would run that uh, probably, you know, almost nonstop outside of having to get some food or sleep or, you know, some, you know, maybe go to the grocery store outside of that, just run the Holy Spirit all the time. Let's have manifestations all the time, but it doesn't work like that, does it? So here's what we need to understand. If Jesus could not make the Holy Spirit just show up and start moving and so forth, then neither can we. We have to be aware of when the Holy Spirit is moving but we also need to recognize those times he's not and that we can't force him to do it. So we need to know how to behave in those situations as well. Now, he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled. Uh, he, he was completely amazed, stunned, marveled because of their unbelief. Now, unbelief is not the only reason uh, that people aren't healed, but sometimes it absolutely can be a primary factor of why some don't get healed. Uh, perhaps their faith is at a very, very low level for healing. In such cases, um, you know, you would just want to keep inviting them back to the meetings. Keep coming, keep hearing the word, keep hearing the word. Your faith will get stronger. 
And so um, there's other times, even if their faith is real weak, but their heart is open. In other words, they have no offense like they were here. They were offended at Jesus. But if you were in a place where you, you just love God's message uh, and there is a strong anointing for healing, you can get healed off somebody else's anointing who's greatly developed in that area such as a healing ministry, somebody that has a strong healing ministry. Here's the catch on that, though. If you get it because of somebody else's anointing or the healing gifts that they have upon their life, then you could have a real challenge holding on to that gift. Let me say it like this. You could have a real challenge holding on to that healing after that meeting is over, after that minister has left town, and when things get back into the normal you know, weekday type schedule when, you know, you're not in a strong atmosphere of miracles and praise and in the hearing of the word. So that's why many have actually lost their healing because the devil came and stole it. They had a bona fide, genuine healing, but they, uh, they didn't even really know the dynamics of how it happened. All they knew that they were in the meeting, uh, and there was an anointing. They got healed and they, they praised God for it. And, um, uh, but many, many have actually had their healing stolen because the devil is a thief and he'll even come to steal the word. If trust me, if he'll come to steal the word, we see that in the sower of the seed that fell on the four different types of soil. If he'll come to steal the seed, which is the word, the word of God, if he'll try to steal the word of God, he'll try to certainly steal anything else because uh, healing is something that's valuable. It's something beautiful, something from God. So the enemy would try to steal that. And if you don't know how to defend uh, your healing by defending it with faith in God's word, then the enemy can just come in there and, and take it. And uh, next thing you know, you're back to square one. So my friends, uh, we need to have open hearts that are receptive to God, to his power and to the moving of the spirit. So it says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And we certainly don't want unbelief you know, doubting God, doubting God's promises, doubting his word. We don't want that to be ever a factor in our lives. I would say unbelief and unforgiveness are the two biggest blockers that hinder uh, people from receiving a miracle. Unbelief, in other words, they don't believe what the word says, what's in the, what's in the covenant, what's in even the, the, the new covenant that we have, that healing is in that covenant. They don't believe that or don't know it. And others that may even be saved, they, they love Jesus, but they have an area where somebody's hurt them and they have uh, unforgiveness. That also will short-circuit the anointing. And that always needs to be dealt with very, very quickly. Praise the Lord. So here we see that the problem is unbelief. Praise God. So Jesus ministering as a man. Now remember, he's still God, but that that power of deity, he laid that down. He was not allowed to use it. If he would have tried, the devil would have said, that's cheating. <laughs> you can't do that. In other words, Satan won the authority that he has as prince of the air or the little G-O-D of this world. He won that by stealing it defrauding or cheating Adam from it, but he got it. So once he had it, he had it. He wasn't going to give it back up, even though he got it illegally. <laughs> so he's got it. 
And so Adam turned his authority over to Satan. So Satan took it from a man. And if it is going to be won back, if it's going to be taken back, it has to be taken back by a man. So Jesus is going to win this back as a man. So he laid that God power down. He laid that down. And everything he's doing, all the miracles, all the signs and wonders, all the gifts of the Spirit, he is doing all of that by the Holy Spirit moving upon him and moving through him. Praise God. And the Holy Spirit wants to move through you as well. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to come back to this story in just a moment, but let's go next to the Gospel of John. We're going to go to the Gospel of John chapter 5 and Let's talk about the uh, story at the Pool of Bethesda, and that's actually one of my favorite places to go in Jerusalem, and it's very close to the church of St. Anne's, and you can go into St. Anne's Church, and everybody is allowed, if you have a tour group, you're allowed to go in there for a few moments, everybody's allowed to sing at least two songs. They won't let you sing more than that because there's always others wanting to come in and sing. We always usually go in and sing a couple of gospel songs, you know, worship songs together, uh, and then we go out. But it, the, the acoustics in St. Anne's Church are so good <laughs> that even if you're not an opera singer, it'll almost make you sound like one. Praise the Lord. But let's jump over now to the Pool of Bethesda, John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Bethesda means house of mercy. And these five pools, these, uh, excuse me, this pool and these five porches were doubted for quite a long time by those uh, uh, of critical think who would look at the scriptures and say, well, you know, this has never really been found or discovered. And so we don't even know if this is true. Well, of course, uh, the Bible is so accurate and so true. And as archaeological excavations advanced in the 1800s, they eventually found this place. And there are two mikvahs there, two ritual areas of purification through water. And Everything recorded here in Scripture, this place has been found and very clearly identified, and it's actually a very large area, and something significant is going to take place here. But again, I think in this story is something that many just skip over and don't realize the way that God works so often, and we're going to talk about that. Now, this is the Pool of Bethesda, verse 3. In these lay a great multitude of sick people. I think it might be even helpful to take your pen, take a highlighter also, and underline the two words, great multitude. When you go there and stand at the Pool of Bethesda and you look around at it in modern times and you see the size of it, you quickly realize, wow, there were a lot of sick people here just like John, the gospel writer, said there could have easily have been hundreds, I don't know, maybe a thousand, literally, sick people. I, there's a lot of room and there's a lot of sick people. So it says there, uh, excuse me, it says in these lay a great multitude of sick people. 
So how many is a multitude? It's not 20. A multitude is not 70. A multitude is a whole bunch of people. Now keep that in mind as the story moves along. And so we have those that are sick. Uh, It says sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Well, I was in a church about 30 years ago, a good church, but a church that was maybe I could call it super tame. Uh, you're, you're never going to see any miracles really happen in this church. And if they did, it, it would only be allowed maybe in a distant side room. <laughs> so it was, uh, uh, it was a church that certainly didn't gravitate towards God's miracle power or anything like that. That was all viewed as something that uh, they just didn't, uh, they didn't necessarily say it was done away with, but it was certainly not something they wanted to dive into. They wanted a squeaky, modern, clean church. And they got a modern, squeaky, clean church with no power. Anyhow, it was a good church that did care about the lost. And that's the main thing. So I was there because it did have some good points. Some other things that you may need, you might have to find that somewhere else. That seems to be something that we learn as we go along in life. And if you're hungry, God will supply it to you, maybe from a different source. Now, I was sitting in this church once, and there was a guest speaker. And he came in, and of all things, he preached on John chapter 5, and he talked about the pool of Bethesda. And I can't even really remember what the uh, the thrust of the message was, what his punchline was, or I can't even remember the point he was trying to make. All I remember is that when he got to verse 4, and he read it, for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. He, he read it, and he looked up at the congregation, and he said, you know, I don't even think this should be in the Bible. I, I, I just uh, I have no understanding of this scripture, and I don't even think this should be in the Bible. And I, and I just thought, well, I don't think you should be in here preaching. <laughs> you probably don't even know what you're doing. Uh, I mean... It's just there are people that have such a difficult time with miracles or anything supernatural as if they as if if there's some reason that they can understand it, then then we'll receive it. But there there's a lot about God that you're never going to understand. But if it's in his word, we just believe it and receive it. Now, some versions, let me say it like this. Some Bibles, if you get certain Bibles you'll have these little footnotes and you go down and it, you'll, you'll see like a footnote and then you'll go read the footnote and it, it will say something like verse four is not in the older text. Let me just tell you with 100% confidence that verse four is in the oldest text that we have. And I'm not just talking about the new Testament with the textus receptus. I'm talking about older texts than that. It's all in the older text. So you know these other translations. I, I they're still they're still good. They serve a purpose, but um, I would always try to stick with um, you know the text, the translations that are verifiably accurate. Praise God. So I'm never going to get rid of my old King James versions because if there's anything that I want to get a good feel on, I'll always go back to that. So I teach from the New King James version. But my friends, uh, a lot of these people that put those footnotes in there, the, um, 
just because somebody is a Bible translator doesn't even mean they're a believer. Maybe they're a Greek expert or a Hebrew scholar, but it doesn't mean that they're saved. It doesn't even mean they're believing the virgin birth. <laughs> that doesn't even mean, uh, mean that they believe any of this even happened. <laughs> so they're doing the best they can. So we thank God that God's word has been preserved in the various languages of which it has been translated into. And um, we have enough to put us over in victory. Praise God. But let me just say that this actually happened, that however uh, that worked, God would send an angel. That angel would come, would stir up the waters. As the old KJV says, King James Version says, troubled the water. (laughs) And I, I have actually been in a service before where the waters were troubled. They actually were stirred up. And um, if I had been more developed in the spirit, of course, I was very young in the Lord. I probably could have gone into the spirit, probably could have seen what was causing the stirring, which of course would have been an angel. But I remember the pastor standing in the baptismal waters saying, "Woo! these waters are being stirred up by the power of God. And they were. And if you got into that water, there, there, was, there was the power of God that was there. Well, it's, it's not the water because it, you know, if I were to go back to that same church today and go back into that baptismal and jump into it, uh, it's not like those waters are still stirred up. That was, the, that was a moving of God's power at that time, at that moment. Praise the Lord. Now, for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Now, that's a very interesting question that I think that if you're honest with humanity and the way that our humanness, our Let me say it like this. Our human nature likes to be taken care of, even if it's being done by somebody else. It is very, very likely that there are those that don't necessarily want to be made well. Why? Pastor Stephen, why would that be? Well, uh, first of all, it means that if you're in a condition like that, you don't have to work. And some people who don't understand God's design for work which is to bring dignity and honor to a person. Work is wonderful. I love work. I'm, uh, I'm not looking forward, uh, you know, like my off day. It's not like I'm trying to, you know, oh, I just do anything but to get away from work. No, I love work. Work is a gift from God. Somebody said, well, we're just trying to escape the rat race. I'm like, rat race? Work is a gift from God. It's not a rat race. And the people that think rat race and the people that think they're just on some kind of a a torturous treadmill by having to work every day, those are the people that have warped, perverted understandings of God's plan for their life, of God's good plan for their life. And instead of celebrating their job and being thankful for their job, they grumble and they complain. And because of that, they limit themselves in their growth and in their advancement. And then they grumble and complain more. But my friends, uh, 
work is a gift from God. We should thank God for our jobs. And if you're not happy at the job that you have, you know what? There's millions of others out there. You can find one that you can get plugged into. But even if, uh, in a sense, you're not happy in it, just still do the best you can. And let God bless you right there and, you know, just see what the future holds. But always, uh, you know, give your best and uh, just rejoice in the Lord and everything will turn out just fine. So do you want to be made well? Oh, there's some people, they don't want to be made well. They, they want to just um, sit or, you know, get taken care of and have somebody else bring them the food, have somebody else do the work have, and just sit back and watch TV all day long. Watch TV. I knew, I knew somebody that was kind of like that. Just watch Westerns all the time. <laughs> you know, while I'm handicapped, I can't work. I'll just watch Westerns all day long. And, you know, the next thing you know, they're, they've morphed into like some kind of a, you know, gun smoke mentality type person or something like that, turning into Matt Dillon or Festus or something. You know, uh, it's just you have to want your situation to change. Yes, God, come. Come fix this. Hallelujah. I want to get up out of this. I want to get going. I want dignity in my life. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Do you want to be made well? So that has to be settled. Not all, but yes, there are some who want to work the system, who want to work the system, who even if they were made well and thought they could still cheat and act like they're still sick, as long as they can get the benefits still coming in, they would do that. That's called insurance fraud. And that cost insurance companies, uh, no telling how many millions upon hundreds of millions of dollars every year, people taking claims, acting like something's wrong, when nothing's wrong, they just want the free money and they want to be lazy. <laughs> Do you want to be made well? All of Jesus's questions are never just, you know, something to generate conversation. They're always really going to the heart, dealing with the issues of the heart. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Now, keep in mind that there's a great multitude there and he just got healed. Now look at verse 13, but the one who was healed did not know who it was for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude, a multitude, a multitude being in that place. Now watch this. I've had people, I've, I've even, I've had a, a, one doctor say it to me. I've had another person say it to me that um, was a, a, a professor at a university. I've had very brilliant, smart people uh, from other fields of life say this to me. I've had ministers say this to me, and here's what they've said. They have said, now, Stephen, if divine healing is for today, then why don't you just go to the hospital and heal everybody, clear the whole place out, get them all healed, and prove that it is for today by doing that, and then, then we'll believe. And then they'll, they'll feel so proud about themselves after they have said it. Because you, you see the smug look. Oh, we've got him now. <laughs> because when Jesus ministered, he just wiped, he wiped them all out with healing. 
He just destroyed sickness everywhere. Everybody was healed. And if you were in Jesus' meeting, oh, everybody was healed all the time, always, always. And they feel so smug. Yes, if you really believe that, Stephen, then prove it to us. Go to the hospital right now. Heal them all. Then we'll believe. And you just think, Lord, we have to do a lot more teaching. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Okay, so Pool of Bethesda. There's a multitude of sick people there. Not 20 people, not 50. Hundreds, at least. Thousands? It wouldn't surprise me. There's plenty of room for a thousand sick people there easily. Just lay them all out. You know, just sit around, catch some shade. Plenty, plenty of room for a thousand or more to be there. And watch this. Only one got healed. Now, Jesus, Jesus. Now, if this is real, you need to go out there and heal them all. I'm here, I'm here to say, on the authority of Scripture, it does not work like that. And it's not going to work like that in your life either. Mm, mm, mm. Praise the Lord. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, the reason that Jesus did miracles, now we don't need them today. The only reason that he did them was to prove his deity and to prove that he was God. Well, if that was the reason he did it, then he was a failure at Nazareth and he wasn't God at Nazareth. Oh, oh, these are just things that we need to think about when the spirit is moving and when he's not moving. Mm-mm. Praise God. There is an element of God's sovereignty. There, it, there's this element of God that I still don't understand why he does certain things the way he does. And he'll just sometimes move. The spirit will manifest when you, I mean, you're not even thinking about it. One time I was uh, with my wife. It was late at night. And we're putting the two children to bed, Matthew and Jennifer. And uh, as we're there kind of all together, just talking, and actually we're having a fun time. We were laughing and things like that. The kids were young. They were, you know, like uh, 10 years old, uh, 10 and 9. And we were all like laughing together. And and, um, suddenly the Holy Spirit fell on me. And I started started prophesying. And and they were still laughing. They, They didn't quite realize what was going on and they 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 were like well like you know like what are you doing i'm like i'm like i'm it's the holy spirit's moving through me and i'm prof- i'm prophesying in in and i just started calling out things I, I started speaking into their lives what god was showing me about them and it was beautiful beautiful things that edified them and built them up and uh, absolutely uh fascinating but i i didn't i didn't push a button and make that happen. And I certainly didn't think it was going to happen at bedtime. <laughs> you know, that, that's just the sovereignty of God. You don't always know uh, when something like this is going to happen. You can't control that. Uh, there was one time I was in my bedroom. And while I was in my bedroom and I was doing something, suddenly, boom, I just went into a, a vision. And the next thing I knew, I was in what the Apostle Paul called the third heaven. And uh, you know, I didn't push a button. To make that happen, I didn't say, Holy Spirit, I'm ready now. I'm going to push the third button on the heavenly elevator. I don't want to go to the first or second heaven. I want to go, I want to go to the third and uh, let's go. You know, I, I didn't do that. It's just sovereign move of God. 
And I've seen these sovereign healings where God would just touch a person. And uh, it just happens. And you think, well, I wonder why that happened. I wonder why the angel stirred the water. Well, I think some of these things we're not really going to fully understand until we get to heaven. And we can watch the playback on the big screen monitors in heaven where it's all recorded on, uh, you know, like 8K uh, DVD backup storage devices, and we can sit down and watch it. Oh, oh, wow, look at that. You know, play it all back and stuff like that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Then, of course, we'll have a lot more insight as to why God does the things that he does. But but what do we do? What do we do when there's not the moving? What do we do when there is maybe a short circuit? What do we do when the Holy Spirit's not man, not manifesting? Well, I want to talk about that just for a moment. There was a time I was ministering in Central California, very beautiful town. You know, there's all the vineyards there, and everything is so pretty. And uh, you're, you know, you're real close to the uh, Pacific Coast, and it's so beautiful. And I was ministering for a good pastor friend of mine, and he led the praise and worship. And I was going to come up and, and speak, so he led the praise and worship, and I taught my message. And then I said, "Let's." After the message, I said, "Let's sing a few songs to God." And let's allow the Holy Spirit to come, and let's just see what the Lord would like to do now. And as he began to lead the congregation into a couple of worship songs, the presence of the Lord came, and the Holy Spirit came all over me um, with just that glory, that, that tangible anointing. Well, the pastor was renting a facility uh, there in town, and this this facility had a lot of other different rooms. They would rent the other rooms out also. Well, right when we were getting into that rich worship and the Holy Spirit was coming all over me to pray and minister to the sick, I knew exactly why that anointing was there. It was a healing anointing. Right when that anointing was getting real thick and strong on me, there was a, there was a band playing some Hispanic music. Uh, nothing wrong, of course, with Hispanic music, but it wasn't worship music. <laughs> it was just secular music. And the moment they started up in that other room, I could hear that music, and I could I could sense the Holy Spirit wanting to leave. He did not like that music. And I kept focusing. I kept worshiping, kept praising. And it's like he would try to lift, and I would try to pull him back because I needed him. I can't minister in the anointing without him. But when the bass, excuse me, when the bass guitar kicked in in the other room with a boom, 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 you know, the thump, the real heavy thump, he lifted off of me completely. And it was like a bird. It was, now he's not a bird. You understand that, right? But it was like a, like this heavenly bird just lifted off of me completely and flew away because he was, he was, I don't know if I could use the word aggravated, but he was not going to be, he was not going to listen, or he was not going to manifest with that music. And he left. And when he left, the, the pastor had concluded that worship song, and he's ready for me now to go minister to the people. I just stood there. Guess who's standing there? Stephen Brooks, without that healing anointing. So I, uh, I knew exactly what to do because, you know, in ministry, you can't just be one-dimensional. I do know some ministers, 
And I, I wouldn't say like we're friends, but I, uh, because I don't really like want to be buddy buddy with people that I don't know. How can I say? Don't even know what they're doing uh, in this area of not honoring God's word. But I do know some ministers that do have an anointing. They can minister in the anointing. But if that anointing is ever not in manifestation, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. And I've seen them when they don't know what to do. And you know what they do? They start to kind of like create something that is just in the flesh. And it's just it's just something that you should never get into. I've seen it happen a lot with prophets because with a true prophetic ministry, what do the people want you to do? They're going to want you to prophesy. And you can preach a really good message and they're going to enjoy the message, but they're, they're like, we want you to flow in the gift of prophecy. We, we want you to begin to call things out by word of knowledge, and we want, want you to move in the Spirit. But what if the Spirit doesn't want to move? Maybe the music, maybe something else. Maybe there's somebody there that that's, um, there's something going on, and the Holy Spirit doesn't like it. For whatever reason, He's not manifesting. Or what, maybe everything is fine, and it's the way that it should be, and He's still not manifesting. What do you do? Well, you certainly should never fabricate something. Oh, I feel God. I feel a breeze in here. How many of you felt that? Now And then you got people under compulsion and pressure. Well, I, yeah, I guess, I guess I felt something too. Yeah. And then you start stirring something up. It's all in the flesh. And anything produced in that is not going to last. <laughs> you know, it's not going to happen. But the main thing is that God's done it. There's no power in it. There's no power in it. And it's not going to change anything for good. It could change something for worse. Or maybe somebody that's really spiritually ignorant opens themselves up to, you know, whatever. And then they ended up receiving a, you know, deceiving spirit or false spirit or something like that. And that can happen also to the minister if they they persist in pushing into areas of trying to make something happen when the Holy Spirit's not moving. Um, yeah, they can get into some yucky stuff. And... Uh, in the higher levels of ministry, you don't really see that very much because um, you have people that can see through that. Uh, but you, that's just something that you want to be careful with in your own life. As much as you want God to move, if he's not moving, he's not moving. Well, let's turn the music up louder. Blast the speakers. Get more emotional. Well, you can do all of that, but that that's going to end up draining you and... You just want to stay in the life of God. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And you'll be happy, and you'll see the real results when they do come. I do think we are in an era right now in the Western church where there is a lot of brass. Remember after King Solomon, he, he died, and then the, there was a split in the kingdom. And so you have his son who is now the king, but a foreign nation comes and puts great pressure upon the nation of Israel. And the king, he uh, gives away all of the golden shields. And so in order to replace them, the shields that were made of pure gold, he has replicated new shields, but they're made of brass. And you can shine brass up real shiny, make it look real bright, and in some conditions or lighting effects, it almost looks like gold. How do you know it's not? <laughs> and the uh, the value is, is there's a great difference in in value in gold and in solid brass.
tremendous difference in value. But in ministry today, particularly in the Western church, things can be hyped up and whooped up with so much stuff. But if you ever stand back and ask yourself, where's the gold at? How come there's no miracles? How come we have all of this phenomenal, maybe even excellence in ministry with the look, everything looks just right, uh, and the and the shiny brass is you know uh, you know the music's dialed in and the everything's the way you know got all these special effects with uh, you know the the screens and all and that's all cool nothing wrong with that, but you stop and you ask yourself well, how come there's no miracles happening how come there's no miracles how come there is no strong moving of the spirit that goes beyond the presence of the Lord now the presence of the Lord is wonderful but that's not that see. You have the menorah, you have the the golden lampstand, you have the center shaft. The center shaft represents the Spirit of the Lord. And wherever the Lord's Spirit is, there's the presence of the Lord. But if you want the Spirit of might to come in into the meeting, which brings miracles and these powerful moves of the Spirit, then you have to go past the presence of of the Lord and get into the power manifestations of the spirit. And that's where the gold is at. And you have a lot of ministers in America that are just happy with brass, but we should not settle for that. Praise God. I want the glory. I want the golden glory. Praise the Lord. And my friends, we should, we should set ourselves to seek God for the genuine. Can you say amen? Well, what happens, though, even in situations where, when, let's say, even the golden glory is not manifesting, and everything's fine, there's nothing wrong anywhere, it's just the miracles aren't happening. What should we do? Well, we should do what these people should have done. Let's go back, for example, to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Now, he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. He's dealing with all Jewish people. All of the Jewish people had a covenant, and in that covenant were certain rights, privileges, and benefits that belonged to them, whether a prophet prayed for them or not. And so, if there's a prophet with an anointing, an apostle with an anointing and the spirit's moving, that's great. But if not, you can always use your faith. And that's what you need to always have an understanding of that should not the spirit move, you still stand in faith on God's word. When the Holy Spirit lifted off of me at that time in California, and I'm standing there with all these people, I'd already asked them to line up so I could pray for them. And they're all standing there. What did I do? Did I say, well, I, I can't pray for you now. I don't have an anointing. No, I didn't do that. And I didn't say, oh, the power's all over me. I can feel it. Get ready. I didn't do that either. I didn't try to go down the line pushing people down like, yeah, here, take it. And, you know, push them real hard so that so it could look like something's happening. I didn't do that. I just said, line up when I lay my hands on you. I want you by faith to receive. I want you to use your faith. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith. I want you to receive God's healing power. Why? It's already in the covenant. It already belongs to you. So let's work together for it to contact your life. And you know what? People were healed in that service. 
Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Without even the gifts of the Holy Spirit manifest because people just took it by faith. Took it by faith. And that's really what these people should have done also. Now, Jesus gave us the ministry gifts, the, the ministry office gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And with those ministry offices come supernatural equipment to minister to the people. And that includes the nine gifts or manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We have the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. We have special faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of different kinds of tongues. Praise the Lord. So my friends, we need to be open to all of these things, to the moving of the Spirit. But there's other times you just go by faith. Why? Because it's in the covenant. And if it's in the covenant and it rightfully belongs to you, you have a right to take it by faith. You don't need to wait for somebody to pray for you. Well, I need somebody super anointed to pray for me. Well, what if you live on an island, <laughs> you know, and there's nobody else <laughs> who even knows you're out there? You can still have it when you know what belongs to you and you stand on the covenant. We see that, for example, Exodus chapter 15. Exodus 15, verse 26. And let me say this. When you get it through exercising your faith, let's say that you couldn't even get into a, a crusade or a healing meeting. Let's say you could never get to a place where maybe you were in a meeting where I'm ministering under the anointing. But if you'll just take God's word and you'll believe it, and not be all full of unbelief, like, you know, the Jews there in Nazareth were, or, you know, uh, other areas, you know, if you'll just believe, you can, you can take it, boom, just on raw faith alone, it'll manifest in your life. And let me say this, if you ever get it that way, um, it's very, very hard for the enemy ever to steal it from you. It's almost like learning how to, it's like, it's like you, when you learn to ride a bicycle, you may not get back on a bicycle again for 10 years, but if you ever do, you don't have to relearn it all over again. You have that muscle memory. So you just get back on a bike, you start riding it again. It's the same with this. If you receive your healing by faith, you know exactly how that worked. You were familiar with that process. And once you've got it, it's not like you're just going to let the enemy walk in and take it away from you. You're like, hold, no, hold on, devil. I use my faith to get that, and, I, and that's my blessing, and I'm not about to give it up to you. Praise the Lord. So you defend what you have received. Now, Exodus 15, verse 26, it says, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight. Give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Have you ever stopped to think about that is one of the compound names of God? You have the name Jehovah, and you have the variants of Jehovah. And here, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, who is your healer, the Lord God who heals you. God's name has never changed. Even though we have a new and better covenant through the shed blood of Christ, my friends, it's not like God said, well, we've got a better covenant now. I'm, I'm just going to change my name because I don't, I don't like that former name and I don't want to do that stuff anymore. No, God's perfect. There's never any need for him to change anything about himself. 
So he's still the Lord God who heals you. And you can get healed just on believing that, just on worshiping the Lord as your healer. You can get healed on that if you never have an anointed minister with the gifts of healings operating ever pray for you. You can get healed on that alone. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, of course, when there's an anointing and the spirit is moving, jump in (laughs) because the anointing is power. Praise God. Amen. So I would encourage you anytime there's, there's somebody that is walking in a strong anointing of the Holy Spirit and you know, you have access to that. Absolutely. Take advantage of, of that because you'll move quicker. You'll move quicker towards the fullness of what God has for you. Exodus chapter 23 verse 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. God says that he will take sickness away from the midst of you. All you have to do is say, I believe it. I receive it. That is in the covenant. Divine healing is in the covenant that I have with God that I received upon my salvation through the shed blood of Christ. I take it. Glory to God. God takes sickness away from me. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. Wow. I heard a minister preaching on YouTube uh, sometime back that God's going to shorten the lives of many believers, that even if you were supposed to have lived a full long life, God's going to shorten your life because he doesn't want you to be around when the tribulation starts. So, uh, you know, just kind of be ready to die, die a lot sooner than you thought you would. And I thought, wow, I said, oh Lord, that's, um, that is not accurate teaching. And that's going to cause a lot of people to open themselves up to premature death. And trust me, Trust me, the devil is very excited about getting as many believers off the planet as possible, <laughs> as soon as possible, <laughs> with sickness or disease. So you want to live out your full life. I will fulfill the number of your days. Now, here's the thing. You have to believe it. Well, it doesn't look like God did it for that person who was a believer. Well, they didn't believe the Lord for it. You have to believe God for it. You have to accept, receive, believe, and stand on the promises of God and contend for them. Praise the Lord. You don't need somebody to lay hands on you. I'm laying hands on you that you'll live to be 120. Well, just take God's word. I will fulfill the number of your days. Praise the Lord. And you'll be here a long, long time because God wants you to live your full life out completely. Praise the Lord. Believe it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 15. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but will lay them on all those who hate you. So all, all of the people that had leprosy in the days of Elisha, the prophet, all the Jewish people that had leprosy had a solution for their leprosy. And it was the covenant promises that God made to the Jewish people. And there is healing that was available for them, but they didn't believe it. 
But guess who did? Somebody who was not even a Jew, who was not even within that covenant circle of blessing. And his name was Naaman. He was a general over the army from Syria. Yet he heard about God's healing power. And although he was outside of the covenant, he got his miracle of healing on faith alone. Praise God. And you can get it on faith alone also. Praise the Lord. Now, should there be a moving of the Spirit? Mm, jump in. Jump in. Jump in. Praise God. Woo, praise the Lord. Jump in. And you will have those moments when the Spirit is moving. And it can happen in your house. Remember, the Holy Spirit's with you everywhere you go. It could happen in your house. <laughs> it could happen anywhere. Praise the Lord. And I'm not just talking about in a, you know, like a church service or, you know, traditional church service or something like that when we gather together. It can happen anywhere, anytime. So be open to that. But also learn to operate by faith. Praise the Lord. Take God at his word when there's no feelings, when there's no high glory moment. Take God at his word and you'll just keep moving forward. Sometimes. Sometimes you can actually make better progress than those who only receive blessing when there's an anointing. Oh, the Spirit's moving. And they get a touch. They get a blessing. Maybe they get a miracle. But those that really are making the, the, the good progress and they're building something out that has a more solid structure are the ones that really just will take it by faith. Whether they... um you know, whether they felt something or received something or had a prophecy or not, just got it from the Lord, got it from the Lord through prayer, got the inward witness and boom, just went with it. Praise God. Amen. So yes, we're, we are open to the moving of the Holy Spirit. I'm a Pentecostal preacher. Make no apologies for it. I love all of that. But my friends, the just shall live by faith. We're also told in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, that without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. So let that be an underlying strength for you where you have faith. If God's moving, fantastic. Glory to God. But if there is not a, as we would say, move of the Spirit, then just stand in faith and still continue to go forward. Mm, mm, mm. Praise the Lord. Sometimes when you go just by nothing but raw faith alone, then the Holy Spirit will come in, will come in suddenly and begin to manifest. Praise God. And I believe often that happens because your faith just to step out and go pleases the Lord. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So we're going to walk in faith, and many of you are going to receive great miracles, great miracles, great blessings because of your faith in the Lord, and because also, yes, you capitalize on those moments when the Holy Spirit is moving. Let me say this. When the Spirit is moving in power, don't be all lethargic and slow and say, well, I think I'll go ahead and try this out. No, jump into it. Woo, glory to God. Be ready to move. Praise the Lord, because we are going to see miracles that are going to be quite astounding in nature. We're getting back to the gold. Praise the Lord. Now, now some, some they're just happy with the bronze. Let, let them uh, stay over there and play around with that. That's fine. Some never want to leave that camp. Uh, they're happy there. But 
We're going to get back into the, uh, into the glory, the, the greater glory, the miracles, the signs, the wonders. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. But understand how the Holy Spirit works. Do you know why Jesus did not heal anybody else at the pool of Bethesda besides one person? Do you know why? Because the Holy Spirit would not manifest to heal anybody else. (laughs) And Jesus couldn't make him do it. Come on, Holy Spirit. Look at all these sick people. Let's get them all. He couldn't. Holy Spirit's not manifesting. And if he's not manifesting on you, you can't do anything either. And neither can I as far as operating in the miraculous. Praise the Lord. But the same Holy Spirit that operated through the ministry of Jesus that was upon him in such great power, he's also going to touch you at times. And there will be those times you get more accomplished, boom, in those power moments than perhaps you could in six months or a year or five years in your own effort. But let me say this, your own effort with raw faith will still, whoo, it'll still get the job done anytime, anywhere, any place. So understand both of these dynamics. And when you do, you'll be a very well-balanced Christian. You'll be, a, you'll be very strong in the Lord. We have to get past what I've seen lately as a lot of um, uh, prophetic silliness. There are a lot of um, believers in what I would call, uh, you know, the spirit-filled type community that in some ways have no knowledge of how to use their faith. And it creates some very uh, flaky atmospheres, praise the Lord. So the, the way we fix that is through teaching and through ministering the good word of God. Oh, I don't want that, Pastor Stephen. I want, a, I want another miracle. You're going to come up short if that's all you're trying to experience. You're going to come up short because God is going to demand eventually, sooner or later, that you mature and grow into the mature image of Christ. And that requires sometimes walking at raw faith with no manifestations of the signs and wonders and the glory. You go by raw faith alone in God's word, what God's word said. And you'll see, wow, that'll put you over. Mm -mm. We have to have this right balance. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your people are walking in the knowledge of your word and of your ways, which are in agreement with each other and they harmonize. And I pray father, if there's any frustration on their behalf, because maybe something's not happening like the way that they want it to, that perhaps it's because you are desiring them to keep moving forward, but to do so by faith and not necessarily to wait for a miracle. Father, we thank you. We give you praise and glory. Father, we thank you that we're going to see the great miracles. And in many ways, Father, miracles are still happening all over the place all the time. But we're going to come into um, just greater manifestation of them. And so we just thank you for this. We prepare our hearts for it. We give you all of the praise and the glory. Thank you, Lord God. And God's working right now. 
Praise the Lord. Somebody's being healed of a heart condition right now. And you're also being, there's a person being healed of asthma right now. It's a breathing condition. You're being healed of asthma and somebody, uh, it's like you have bronchitis and I just release the healing anointing of Jesus into your lungs. And for those that need the heart into the heart now in Jesus name, receive that healing anointing and breathe and breathe. It's like you've been living life, sucking air through a straw and you're being healed right now by the power of God. Praise the Lord. Well, God, we give you praise in Jesus name. And somebody you've had very poor circulation and this has affected you down in your toes and you hardly feel anything in your toes, but warmth and blood are flowing into your toes now and God's healing your circulatory system. But on this one, you need to work with the Holy spirit and you need to also be careful about how you're, how you're treating your body. And the Lord wants you to begin to honor the temple that he's given you and to take care of it so that this doesn't happen again, but he's healing you right now. Receive that. That circulatory system is being healed in Jesus name. Father, we give you praise. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now let's talk about the greatest miracle of all. It's the miracle of salvation. When God takes a sinner, a person who has a spirit that is dead unto him, that is in the world, but is separated from God. And God takes that person as they call upon him for salvation and moves them from a place of spiritual death into spiritual life. It's the greatest miracle of all. And if you're watching today and you have never experienced this miracle right now can be your moment where you experience the miracle power of God that is known in scripture as being born again, the new birth experience. If you would like to receive God's miracle blessing of salvation. Then right now, pray this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. I repent of all of my sins and I turn to you now. Save me, Jesus. Wash me clean with your precious blood of all of my sins. I give my life to you. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me now. I take you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And with that prayer, you have passed from spiritual death into spiritual life. Welcome to the family of God. Praise the Lord. We're going to take Holy Communion. Let's grab some grape juice and some unleavened bread. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is still moving. Mm -mm. Hallelujah. Let's pray over the bread and the juice. Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. We consecrated and set it apart as holy through this prayer. We thank you, Father. This is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. We praise you, O God, as we receive the body of Jesus. Father, we thank you that we have a covenant package of redemptive blessings. And so we just take them by faith. We're not waiting for somebody to pray for us. 
We're not waiting for your spirit to move or to trouble the, or an angel to trouble the water. We take it by faith. Right where we sit or right where we lie or right where we stand, we take it by faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. And we live our lives by faith, and we thank you for the divine intervention of your spirit <laughs> when he moves. So, Father, we receive what we need on the table of provision from the new covenant of all the blessings we receive. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's receive the body of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I know that we can have a part, a role of inviting the Holy Spirit to move. I know that we can create an atmosphere where, yes, he's going to come in and he's going to do what he wants to do. But again, it's what he wants to do. We cannot make it be a healing service. We can't make it be a delivered service. I can't make it be a, a some type of a certain service. It's whatever he wants it to be. Praise the Lord. And maybe he just wants it to be a teaching service. Maybe he just wants it to be a praise service. Hallelujah. But he's the one that chooses that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus, our Savior. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is moving right now. And that as we receive the blood of Jesus, there are those that are going to receive a healing. Now, Father, we ask that you would forgive us of any sin that we've committed. We confess it and let your blood wash it away, Father, the blood of Jesus. And we thank you, O God, that if anybody has sinned against us, we forgive them absolutely and completely. And we bless them and we go on. We bless them and we go on. We thank you that your healing anointing is flowing, and we now receive the blood of Jesus. Father, in Christ's name, we pray, amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Somebody is being healed of a sports injury right now. Uh, it was You were injured in wrestling. I see a wrestler. It's a guy. You're being healed of a wrestling injury right now. Receive the anointing of Jesus going right through the camera, coming right to where you're at right now. You may even be listening by uh, one of our podcasts. It's coming through. It's receive it right now, whether it's visual or audio, but it's coming. The anointing's flowing. Receive it in Jesus' name. Somebody's being healed of a stomach condition, and it's like Pepto-Bismol is being poured into your stomach, and uh, that problem with your stomach's being healed. It's like a heavenly Pepto, uh, Pepto-Bismol. You know what I'm talking about, that, um, that uh, pink-flavored stuff that you drink if your stomach's ever upset. That's being put into you right now. It's not real Pepto-Bismol. It's like a heavenly uh, version, which is the best version. You're being healed. Receive the healing that your stomach needs in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Going back to the heart thing. It's a weak heart. It's a, uh, it's a, sometimes it flutters. It uh, palpitates uh, irregularly, irregular heartbeat. Be healed in the name of Jesus. This one is a creative miracle. This is more, the heart thing is more of a, um, 
I would call it not even so much a healing as a miracle. Take your miracle. It's a miracle of healing. Take it now. A new heart. Take your new heart now in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. See, the Spirit's moving right now. We, we can move into this when the Spirit's moving. Praise God. Father, we thank you. There are those that desire to see in the spirit realm. That would be the gift of discerning of spirits in manifestation. Anytime you have a vision, whether it's an open vision, spiritual vision, or a trance, there's three types of visions. Anytime you have a visionary experience, that is the gift of discerning of spirits that is an operation. If you would like that, lift up your hands, receive in Jesus' name, and also discerning of spirits through smell. That's taking place right now. Receive. I release that gift, that anointing. Receive in Jesus' name. To see, to smell in the Spirit. And yes, Jesus operated in all of these gifts, all of these anointings. Praise God. Father, we thank you. We know he did because the seven spirits of the Lord were upon him, according to Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Father, thank you for the anointing of your Spirit. I want to pray for those that would like to receive the spirit of wisdom. Will you begin to make right choices? And you no longer make these uh, self-imploding, self-destructive choices where maybe something's going good for a while, then you make some kind of a crazy mistake and it causes tremendous setback and, you know, you make these blunderous mistakes. I call complete termination to that. It'll never happen to you again. If you would like to receive the spirit of wisdom, lift your hands. Father, let your Holy Spirit touch your people with the spirit of the oil of the spirit of wisdom. We thank you. Good choices, wise choices governed by wisdom of your principles, of your teachings, O God. Father, we thank you for wisdom, wisdom, the oil of wisdom. Thank you, Father God, for solid, correct choices, one after another after another. Thank you, Father, for that Joshua anointing, winning a battle after battle after battle, victory after victory after victory. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I see the rainbow right now. Uh, the rainbow represents covenant, and the rainbow also represents the seven spirits of the Lord together in the various colors that were, uh, each color would represent one of the seven attributes of the Holy Spirit. So I see that God is a covenant-keeping God, and if you will trust Him and tie into the covenant promises that belong to you, you'll be making progress every single day. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to wait on the Lord just for a moment. There's something else. Praise God. Father, we give you praise. Somebody is watching me. You're having real trouble sleeping. You're having trouble sleeping. You just you can't fall off to sleep. And if you do, it doesn't last very long. You're not getting to sleep, and it's, bec it's becoming very difficult to live your life. And that's no fun when, you, when you're tired. That's, that's an awful state to be in. Then you, you don't have that luxury to try to catch it up somewhere. I pray for those, Father, that are suffering from sleep apnea. They can't sleep properly. I release the peace of God into your life, the healing anointing of rest and sleep in Jesus' name. Receive. Now take it by faith. 
in the name of Jesus. I want you to take it by faith, but there's an anointing also. Receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I see the angels of the Lord standing. I see two standing in your bedroom. You're going to sleep fine. You're going to sleep fine. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. And make sure you also cast all of your care over on the Lord because he cares for you. Doesn't want you to be worried. Praise God. Doesn't want you to be worried about anything. Praise the Lord. I, I know that um, there are those that would try to justify it, but I need to let you know from, from God's viewpoint, worry is a sin. It is a sin. And we are not, we are told not to worry. We are told to cast it over on the Lord. It's not a, uh, something like, you know, God's maybe trying to just suggest a good idea. It's a commandment. Cast your cares over on the Lord. He cares for you. Father, we praise you. We thank you. We are praying people. We don't carry burdens. You carried the burdens. We, um, we give it to you. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Praise you, O God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. One of the people that had the, uh, the person that had the heart condition, you also had sleep apnea as well. That's being healed. Both conditions. Father, we thank you. We bless you for what you've done. We give you all the glory. Now, Jesus, you are the Lord God who takes sickness and disease away from our midst. We worship you. We give you all the glory and praise. We thank you that you are our healing God, that you are a good God. We thank you, Father. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is the source of the power. And we thank you that when he's moving, we're all in. We thank you, Father, when you want us to take it by faith, we'll lock hold of your word and not come off of it. We thank you for both, both of these blessings. Thank you, Father. Bless your people. Fresh oil, fresh anointing. We thank you, Father God. We thank you that the glory is here. We step into it by faith. We thank you, Father God, for your provision, your blessing, your joy. Hallelujah. Shout. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The whole atmosphere around you right now is becoming free. Free. Free, free. If you've never spoken in other tongues, but you're a Christian and you've ne you have not been filled with the Spirit, you're saved, you love Jesus, but you've never spoken in other tongues, but you, but you want to, you've always wanted to, lift your hands right now. Lord Jesus, fill that person with your Holy Spirit. Fill your son, your daughter with your Holy Spirit now. Oh God, in Jesus' name, we praise you, Jesus, and open your mouth and begin to speak in other tongues. Glory to God. Glory to God. Those of you that had the stomach problem, you're healed. You're healed in Jesus' name. Some of you are even smelling the Pepto-Bismol. Glory, glory to God. Hallelujah. You're healed. Praise God for your healing. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Father, we bless you. We bless you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great might and power. We thank you for all of these uh, this package deal of all of these blessings and benefits that we have, and we avail ourselves to them. <laughs> we thank you, God. We take it by faith. <laughs> we praise you. And as you have demonstrated uh, also on this message, the moving of your spirit, when your spirit is moving, we thank you. We, uh, we jump onto that anointing. We take it. Well, Father, we thank you. 
Hallelujah. Those of you that have been filled with the Spirit, just keep speaking, speaking in other tongues. Glory to God. Glory to God. The Lord bless you. Depression is leaving. For those that have struggled with that, it's leaving. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now hold your ground. Hold your ground. Praise the Lord. The clouds, the darkness is pushed back. Hold your ground in faith and the spirit and say, I am free and I will remain free in the name of Jesus. Don't surrender your freedom. Don't surrender your joy. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you for watching. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Stay blessed. Bye-bye.